Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the third Clash of the Titles, Fanuary of the Year, the podcast that this January pits two movies with something in common picked by fans of the show and puts them in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week in the red corner, we're getting ship shape. If the shape of a ship is upside bloody down, Gene Hackman and Ernest Borgnine lead an all-star cast in 1972's The Poseidon Adventure. While in the blue corner, more stars and more disaster as Paul Newman and Steve McQueen bicker about how high you should build skyscrapers as they attempt to put out 1974's Towering Inferno. I want to appeal to you for the last time. You don't know what you're talking about. I know this much. The sea is going to keep pouring in. We're going to keep settling deeper and deeper. We may even go under before we get up to the bottom to cut our way out. But it's something to try. It's a chance. We might make it. If you stay here, you'll certainly die. We are staying with the Berser. Couldn't talk anybody else into coming, huh? Now we're on our own. You're looking for me, Chief? If you're Duncan, you. I am. Everything under control? Gotta move all these people out of here. Oh, now, just how bad is it? It's a fire, mister, and all fires are bad. Well, uh, I don't believe that you're familiar with the many modern safety systems we have designed into this building. We've got them all. All right, it's your building, but it's our fire. Now, let's get these people the hell out of here. Now, I don't think you're listening, Chief. There's no way for a fire on 81 to reach up here, not in this building. So it's a disaster duel this week, but which film will be victorious? Uh, let's find out. Welcome to Clash of the Titles Fanuary. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. No marriage for me. I've got a mistress. The sea! <laughs> I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Cronson. <laughs> There's got to be a morning after. <laughs> I'm Chris Tilly. <laughs> and welcome to our third Fanuary special. As Chris mentioned last week, Fanuary is now full, but February Fanny is what, Chris? Wide open. Wide open. So if you've got a clash to suggest, email us at show at clashpod.com with a reason for your suggestion. And we might try and fit it in. But back to today. Who do we have to thank for our third Fanuary Clash, Poseidon versus Towering? Craig Main. Craig Main. So Craig sent us a lovely email saying, Hi, thanks for being the only movie podcast I'll ever need. Discovered it recently and it's the perfect combo of review show, background details and, of course, The Clash. All delivered by three terrific hosts who are entirely too much fun. Uh, the two movies I'd love to see face off are The Poseidon Adventure and The Towering Inferno. So many connections. Both Owen Allen movies, both based on books, both with real all-star 70s cast, most of whom get bumped off, both with parties interrupted by disasters, both with award-bait songs, the list goes on. Anyway, I love the podcast and long may it continue. 
Thanks, Craig. That's nice, isn't it? That's bloody lovely, yeah. Craig. Yeah. That's really nice. Mm. Really nice. And he's also done the connection section for us. Yeah. That's all I have. <laughs> uh, he also sent us a tweet this week, which yes. is why I know. He said, beyond excited that it may be my fanuary suggestion, Poseidon is my favourite film of all time. Wowzers. No pressure, team. That's all right. It's, it's great. Hmm. It is great. It is great. Or is it? Jeopardy, jeopardy, jeopardy. <laughs> so the clue I gave on last week's show was, you'd better add one to the other, otherwise, disaster! And the guesses were found cowering for their lives on our Twitter, at Clash. You're not going to mention my amazing Twitter clue? Oh, I didn't notice it this week. I've been very busy. Tell me, what was it? I just put two arrows. Oh, one up and one down. Oh, clever. Eh? Oh, that is good. That's great. That's very good. <laughs> really? Honestly. What are they called on QI? QI elves, question setters, whatever. That's mm. that's what you're in I line for. I thought you were gonna absolutely I think. I, I think that's I right. thought you were gonna hammer me for that, if I'm honest. No, I think great. it's brilliant. Very clever, Chris. Very clever. Although people were suggesting good things that worked for that. Someone suggested um arrow up, arrow down. Mm-hmm. Someone suggested gravity and buried. Mm. Oh, that's a good That's idea. a really good pair. Yeah. As above, so below. Very nice. It's mm. just one movie. <laughs> just one movie. Um, but it's great. And no one was going to have a go at you about that clue today. We're all, I feel like we're all in good space, despite you talking about Phil Spector and you talking about the Tetra Pak heiresses just before we came on air, <laughs> which was fun and not at all bleak and grim. We're going to talk about a lot of death today. <laughs> was that the warm-up? I didn't yeah. realise. I thought you were just being a bleak. Okay. So, we had guesses cowering for their lives on our Twitter at ClashPod. If you want to give us a follow, we're also on Instagram and TikTok at ClashPod as well. And if you're in the business for a little extra Clash, completely free of charge, check out our YouTube channel. So, who won this week with the first correct guess? Well, congrats to Tibbs, who got it right. But the winner this week with the first correct guess, long-time listener and I believe multiple winner, Frank B. Congratulations, Frank B. Your prize is my mistress. The sea! <laughs> it's my favourite line in the whole thing. <laughs> He's a right joker, that guy. He's so creepy when he says that. He's so creepy. It's just a very strange moment. He knows how to have, have a, be how a to guest. to hold a room. Yeah. yeah. The conversation was dying and he was like, I got a gag. This is, <laughs> this is my moment. Here we go. I do work for the ship, so it is my job to keep you all entertained. Wait for this little number. Uh, right, let's do the connection section, even though Craig did it for us. Well, have we got any additional ones? Terrible bands to dance to at Thank parties. Thank you. Terrible, mm. terrible music. And clearly feels like the music was added later because yeah. no one is dancing in time, in time. to those god-awful <laughs> songs. Um, those god-awful Oscar-winning songs. Well, on the music front, John Williams does both scores. Mm. Are they both hold their breath in both films oh, yeah. to go underwater and down the stairs? Sure. That's nice, mm-hmm. isn't it? Nice. Uh, both were the highest grossing films of their respective years, 73 for Poseidon, 74 mm. for Inferno. The, the, uh, end, the end of an era, I would say, because one year later we get Jaws and everything changes. Mm. This is the last time the blockbusters were made for the grown-ups. I read that Ernest Borgnine was going to play the fire chief in uh, The Tower of Inferno. It's so. only connection if he did, though, really. Well, is it? Is that a new rule? Okay, yes, yeah. I've just instigated it. Okay. New rule. Fine. Unilaterally instigated. Cool. <laughs> uh, killing people who have less conservative values. I mean, I've talked to you about this, but you probably don't remember because it was New Year's Eve and we've already established you remember nothing from that conversation. <laughs> but Linda, who dies at the end, the only real reason for her oh, to die, because yeah, yeah. we introduce her as a sex worker. Yeah. And, and like, she's so close to the end and <laughs> so she's close. done nothing wrong. No, she's and done... it's like someone's turning and going, oh my God, there's a sex worker's about to survive. Someone push her into a fiery pit, would you? <laughs> And then uh, Robert Wagner and his secretary are having oh my God, secret sex. But they love each other so much. But secret sex. They haven't told people. <laughs> uh, you and so they must burn. You can't have secret sex, so you have to have the most violent deaths in the film. Oh, it's awful. Mm. Uh, a boring one. Several actors Good. appeared in small roles in both films. John Crawford, Eric Nelson, Elizabeth Rogers, Sheila Matthews. I wasn't going to say their names, but they deserve their moment in the sun. Sure, sure. Uh, Sterling Siliphant, just because it's the best name ever. Mm. Yeah. He wrote both. Yeah. Uh, this one makes sense, I guess, when you think of the logic of it. Um, there's a star of the naked gun in both films. Right. Leslie Nielsen in Poseidon Adventure, OJ Simpson oh, in Tarry yeah. But I guess when you think about how they're casting naked gun, it makes sense that they would have picked two people from, from these movies. Yeah. 
We done then? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was a lot. I think that's one of our biggest connection sections. If we add hours to Craig's, there's a lot there. <laughs> this is a great pairing, Craig. So on Thursday, we'll reach for the sky scraper in Towering Inferno, which means today, boy, you turn me upside down. Chris, take us on a journey. Hell, upside down. At midnight on New Year's Eve, the SSS Poseidon was struck by a 90 foot tidal wave and capsized. That's the tagline for the Poseidon adventure, which is also the plot. But who will survive, that same poster asks. Will it be Frank Drebin? Or Shelley Winters and Grandpa Joe? Or the kids whose parents are too cheap to put them on a plane? Or the sex worker who fears she slept with everyone on the boat? Or the cop, the cop who expressed his love by repeatedly putting her in prison? Or the hippies who claim to be brother and sister, but I'm not buying it? Or the leader of the group, Father Jack Hackett, who spends the movie slagging off God and telling women to get undressed? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for your podcasting pleasure, the Poseidon accident. No, the Poseidon disaster. No, the Poseidon catastrophe should be. But no, we're discussing the Poseidon adventure. Whatever. I hadn't thought of that. So, that, that bastard Lenarcos. <laughs> When did you first see this one, Vicky? So my history for both of these films is exactly the same, but one of them scared me more than the other. They, they To me, they were just always on the telly when mm. I was about yeah, seven or eight. So I saw this when I was at my grandma's house, but the ballroom scene, the, the pivotal seat, pivotal, no pun, that terrified me so much that we had to turn it off. And I've never watched it again because I was too scared. I'm the same as Vicky. These were on telly when we were kids, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. There wasn't lots to choose from, was there? There was three channels, four channels eventually, and yeah, these two were on sort of regular... It was Christmas and Easter they were on a yeah. lot, wasn't it? But did it scare you? Because that's the interesting thing, because it, it scared me as well. Yeah, I, I think as much as the ballroom scene, the, the, the swimming Shelley Winter scene as well, I found quite frightening. Okay. Just mm-hmm. the thought of having to do that. Because I'm not sure when that would happen, but... <laughs> I think I saw it around the same time as the Zeebrugge ferry disaster occurred. And I think these two things combined, I became very scared of being on ships. I've just realised, but so my my mum used to work in a swimming pool. And so we used to spend a lot of time in that swimming pool because it was free childcare, right? Mm. And I became obsessed with, I hadn't put it together until you just said that, how long I could hold my breath underwater for. Everyone did, And I was really proud of myself. I could do a full length, but that was it. But I thought that was amazing. That is amazing. And then you hear a normal amazing and he's like no two and a half minutes and I'd be like well I can do 30 seconds so what is it Kate Winslet did just for Avatar 2 the way of water I, I actually didn't hear that story enough so really? <laughs> tell me again Alex <laughs> it's fascinating <laughs> I think but in her defence I think once she can do that it becomes the biggest big, thing in your yeah. life and, uh, so something crazy like 8 minutes yeah, 9 yeah, minutes. minutes if you train you mm. really can yeah 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 I was once in a kayak that collapsed uh, not collapsed capsized right um, I was uh, filming a show called Bill Bailey's Birdwatching Bonanza mm-hmm. uh, for Sky One and I was in a kayak with Donald McIntyre, the investigative journalist. Sure. Yeah, this is my life. And um, and we, I was like, I think we're going to capsize, Donald. And he was like, no, 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 I've got this. I've got this. Just I'll, I'll take control. I'm, I'm a canoeing expert. I don't know if he was, but we certainly capsized. And as we capsized, you know my fear, the people filming us from the crew boat went, Shark! Shut up. <laughs> and I was like, but genuinely there was a shark. It was a basking shark. So we were in the Firth of Forth in Scotland. So I was in the water living my worst nightmare because there was a shark there. And you were upside down? No, 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 because the kayak's open. So we were just oh, sorry, bobbing up and down there. Out. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. It was terrifying. That is terrifying. Yeah. So in many ways, I've lived the Poseidon adventure <laughs> with Donald McIntyre. An so all weird. star cast for my story as well. <laughs> <laughs> Was Bill Bailey there? Uh, he was on land. Yeah. Okay. He didn't fancy Laughing it. at you. He didn't yeah. fancy it because he's the one that shouted shark. <laughs> Classic Bailey. <laughs> but you've seen Poseidon Adventure multiple times. Yes. Sorry. Yes. I watched it around the same time when I was seven and it yeah. scared the shit out of me. Yeah. I guess, I guess generations, you discovered the film like that. So a bit of background on this one. Um, Paul Gallico wrote the novel in 1969, uh, inspired after a vacation aboard a ship in 1937, uh, which was being rocked by high waves. Now, I did some research on Paul Gallico. Interesting guy. Interesting life. As a young sports writer, he challenged world heavyweight champion Jack Dempsey to spar. Uh, the, bo- the boxer. That means something else. I, I want to see you take uh, the same approach with your interviews, you know, like sitting down with Spielberg going, I can direct a film better than you, mate. If I, if I had your resources, done, mate. Done. 
I did. I've told you before. I did boxing training with Dolph Lundgren. You got and the he, shit kicked out. Yeah, of you. he laughed yeah, at yeah, me. Yeah. I'm just holding the pad, and he was like, he thought I was joking. Mm-hmm. The way he, how easily he could push me back yeah. just by nudging the pad. <laughs> I'm like, no, this is all me. Where's my same story buzzer? <laughs> hey, did you just hear that? <laughs> uh, I mean, really? I came up with. I brought a new Donald McIntyre story to this episode, and you're rehashing your Dolph Lundgren story. But I acknowledged it before I started speaking. <laughs> oh, is that allowed? Fine. I didn't know that was a fucking rule. So Dempsey, Dempsey says to him, "What's the matter, son? Doesn't your editor like you anymore?" And then toyed with him for one minute and thirty-seven seconds before knocking him out. Right. Don't ever do that. <laughs> um, he then became a fiction writer, moved to England. He was a New Yorker and lived with a Great Dane and twenty-three cats in the Devon seaside town of Salcombe where he became best friends with Ian Fleming. Right. <laughs> sure. And um, Fleming wasn't happy with the book he was working on. He convinced him to keep going and helped him publish Casino Royale. No! Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. And has J- any- James Bond. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, did I have that vacant look? I just thought you might have excised any James Bond reference from your mind, especially early James Bond. <laughs> I know what Casino Royale is. Um, Has anyone seen Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris? I haven't, but I've heard it's lovely. Heard it's very good. He wrote that as well. Did he? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. He's a jack of all trades. Um, So this film is very similar to the novel, except uh, a few characters are excised. Um, A character named Susan Shelby uh, in the book um, was raped. A relative of hers dies and a Reverend Scott commits suicide. (laughs) So they got rid of all that stuff. I lightened it up a little bit, I think it's fair to say. Sure. Uh, so producer Erwin Allen got hold of it. He was known for Lost in Space, Land of the Lost, Voice of the Mop of the Sea, all big hit TV shows. Uh, in terms of movies, his wife, who, who also, is also in this film, um, she said he was into the Walter Mitty syndrome. He liked an ordinary person in extraordinary situations rising to the occasion. And so those were the kind of stories you're looking for, and this was perfect. Um, he got screenwriter Wendell Mays on board, who changed it from Boxing Day to New Year's Eve. Do we think that's a strong change? We've kept the tree. It doesn't matter. You have a party on both, but I guess one of them have a better band. They'll play some Christmas hits. <laughs> His wife, I think, is the nurse, and she's really good. Yes, she is good. She's yeah, funny, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. That's Owen Allen's um, wife, I mean. Yep. Uh, the, this screenwriter said he took the job. He said, I'll tell you what was attractive about the Poseidon Adventure, the money. <laughs> I knew oh. it was going to be a big, bad, popular motion picture. After a couple of rewrites, I asked Owen to please relieve me of the job. Oh. And this is when... Our old friend comes on board, Alex. Are we talking about Roland Neem? Sterling Silliphant. Oh, okay, sorry. You like that name? I do like that name. Yeah. It's a great Silliphant. This is a silly elephant. <laughs> and he wrote it. And then a, a director came on board. What's his name, Alex? Uh, Sterling Silliphant. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's uh, Ronald Neem, um, who'd produced a bunch of David Lean movies, um, mm. sort of higher brow, I would say, than this one. Um, he thought the characters were cardboard cutouts, but uh, also thought... Why not? Yeah. Is I, how he put it. I read a quote. He, uh, he much later said, The Poseidon Adventure, Adventure is my favourite film because it earned him enough to retire comfortably. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, uh, when they were making the film, pre-production costs spiralled. 20th Century Fox threatened to pull the plug. And there's this famous story about Erwin Allen going across the road to the Hillcrest Country Club and asking his wealthy friends to back him with $4 million of their own cash. Wow, what a whip round that is. Eh? <laughs> Imagine a living in a world where you can do that. That. In 1972, three. Wow, that's a lot of money. Do you know what? I'll go early. I think I might know how much it is because... It's becoming a feature, so you realise. I, I look, I've got special websites that I go to to check sure. how the value of money has changed. Do you know what? I'll save it. No, do it now. Towering Inferno, the two books that it's based on, sold for $400,000 and $350,000 respectively. So I looked up how much that would be now. If you sold that now, mm. it's about $2.5 million. Okay. Okay. Oh. So now you know. So if you work it out like that, oh, a bit of maths, it's like times by 10-ish. So, th- no, that can't be right, because that's like £40 million. You can't get that in a whip round. I tell you what, let's put a pin in this. Come back to me. Come back to me. Why do you hate our listeners so much? I don't. Look, guys, anyone that's interested in inflation and, you know, cost of living increases, which I am. Even Craig Maine has turned off, and this is his favourite movie so of sorry. all time. He might be into, he might be a numbers guy. Craig, let us know. Yeah, can I get back to the country club story? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So it's four million dollars rather than pounds. Um, and Neem recalls one of them saying, oh, Erwin, yes, we'll guarantee you that money, but go away. We're playing gin rum and that's more important to us. Uh, Neem says they got 50% of the picture and walked away with at least $20 million each and they never came near the studio. Great. That is insane. Wow. Does anyone know what that would be in today's money? <laughs> so much. Yeah, a bit of maths. Um... 
<laughs> you don't like numbers. You're scared of maths. That's what that is, yeah. Maths always scared me. You should teach you maths until you're 18. Every student in England should learn it, shouldn't they? That's yeah. a great idea. Someone should, <laughs> someone should pitch that. <laughs> um, it was shot past the occasion aboard RMS... Fuck the arts! <laughs> Queen Mary on Long Beach Harbour in Los Angeles and then on a massive Fox soundstage where they did the interior scenes. They made near-exact replicas of the Queen Mary inside and a hydraulically controlled dining room set was constructed that would tilt 45 degrees for the midnight action. Mm. Sounds amazing. Um, they shot in sequence, so the characters' dirtied faces and bruised bodies and tattered clothes reflected the ordeal they were going through. And it does sound like an ordeal, the shoot of this film. Uh, I've now got a section called Hate because uh, they hated each other making this film. Who, who, who? No I, one, this no is one what got I'm on. Interested. This is when you see, he said this last week. Do you remember? He was like, got a lot of stories about the hate. I was like, bring that to the party. A lot yeah. of hate. We'll do some now, some during. But Gene Hackman, I mean, Gene Hackman. There's so many stories about him being not particularly nice on film sets. Is that right? I did two not people. know that. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, ben Stiller talked about working with him on the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, he said he finally got the nerve to ask Gene Hackman about his favourite film, which was The Poseidon Adventure. He said it was the film that inspired him to want to be an actor. And he said to, he asked for his memories of making the film and Hackman turned around to him and said, yeah, money job, and walked off. Um, Classy. Uh, it, <laughs> That's fair. Hackman said elsewhere, when I was working on it, I was kind of ashamed of myself. Um, Ernest Borgnine of co-starring with Shelley Winters. She was a first-class bitch. Whoa. <laughs> uh, Sorry, shouldn't laugh. Funny, though, but OK. Um, Ernest Borgnine working with Gene Hackman. Uh, Gene Hackman just won the Academy Award for the French Connection. Apparently, in that film, they just made up lines as they went along. <laughs> <laughs> we were given a script, but evidently he didn't look at his script. He thought he was still doing French Connection. We had a rehearsal, and it came Gene's time to speak, and there was nothing. He turned to me and asked, are we supposed to know these lines? I answered, that's a general idea. That, that's the last time I ever spoke to him but don't get me wrong he's a really wonderful guy <laughs> strange story <laughs> I was going to play a little anecdote of Ernest Borgnine at 91 years old on a chat show being asked um, how he stays so young you're 91 years old you look fantastic you look like you're no, in nice. your late 60s uh, early 70s what's the secret I don't dare tell you <laughs> no me. you don't eat me. I masturbate a lot. Okay, I think... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. And I knew to look for this story because I don't know if you listen to the, the podcast that Will Arnett does with Jason Bateman. Yes. But Jason Bateman lives in Ernest Borgnine's old house. Will Arnett obviously knows this story and Black just keeps saying to Jason, yeah, which, which room are you in at the moment? Can you see any of Ernest Borgnine on the walls? <laughs> um, so we've got uh, singer Carol Linley and the late comedian Red Buttons in the film. Um, Carol Linley says, Red Buttons was really shitty to me. Um, he still sees steps on lines tried to unsettle me he said everything shitty to me a man can say I don't like him and he knows it he's not very good he's not a funny man the best word for him is he's a cunt yes <laughs> wow <laughs> love that this is the section that just keeps giving <laughs> not a lot of love on this movie um, <laughs> Okay, uh, we've got more, but I'll talk about them. I don't think, I'm so glad I didn't know any of this, because yeah. Mr. Martin is so sweet. No, he's creepy as fuck. Really? Yeah. He becomes creepy. Yeah, when she's like, my brother, your yeah. brother's dead. Yeah. yeah, She's like, but I loved his music. He's like, yeah, I'd have danced to it if I had someone to dance yeah. with. you. Well, I'll say, I'll say, I don't understand. He's set up as a gay man, surely. I, that's what I thought. I mean, he's yeah. coded as a gay man, and they practically come out and say it, that, that this confirmed bachelorhood that he has. You yeah. know, we can't say it outright in a movie, but we're just going to, you know, we'll put it yeah. there. And then he's cracking on to the young girl at the end. He's, a, yeah, he's it's a, very it's a complete, much cracking It's a complete it. betrayal of that character. Okay, I thought he was just very, me. Very, very handsy with uh, Nonny. 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 He's all always got her he's grabbing her here there and everywhere he's as bad as gene hackman is with susan's face always grabbing her face he won't leave that face alone it's so weird take your clothes off give me your face i feel like we started so should we get on with the deep dive yeah oh what hello (laughs) hello welcome to the party 
carry on. So we're on the Poseidon, the SS Poseidon, uh, travelling from New York to Athens. Lovely. I'm going to jump in with just uh, explain who the characters are very quickly. Sure. Uh, Reverend Frank Scott, a minister who believes God helps those who helps themselves. Uh, he's travelling to a new parish in Africa as punishment for his unorthodox views. Mm. We've got Detective Lieutenant Mike Rogo and his wife Linda, a former sex worker. Um, she's dealing with seasickness when we begin. Susan Shelby and her younger brother Robin are travelling to meet with their parents who are on vacation in Greece. Susan has a crush on Scott while Robin is interested in how the ship works and frequently visits the engine room. We've got retired Jewish hardware store owner Manny Rose and his wife Belle. They're going to Israel to meet their two-year-old grandson for the first time. We've got Haberdasher James Martin as the love-shy, self-conscious bachelor and the ship singer Nonny Parry who's rehearsing for New Year's Day celebration. That's your setup. Fantastic. Okay, a storm hits. Hmm. Who's our captain, Vicky? <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard. It's, it's so, so hard, hard not to laugh. Yeah. yeah. When he's like, God damn you irresponsible bastard. <laughs> Which is all fair. But the best bit is when he's fiddling, Leslie Nelson's fiddling with like some bit of uh, machinery and he's doing it and he's like, God, the, God damn the ship. And he goes, Happy New Year, by the way. And that <laughs> is fucking. <laughs> and but you you see like the scene in Airplane where the kid comes to the cockpit. Oh, oh yeah, it's lifted from here, isn't it? They're yeah. always like, "That's a weird moment." We'll put that in Airplane and turn it into something even weirder. <laughs> um, but the issue is the storm's coming. They need more ballast. They're three days behind schedule. It's the final voyage of this ship before it's being put out to pasture. But um, Linarcos, uh, oh, that bastard Linarcos, the villain. He needs it docked so a wrecking crew. Can can start breaking up so he will not stop or slow down for ballast. Uh, so that's where uh, the issues begin. So um, Ernest Borgnine believes his wife has food poisoning. She doesn't, does she? What does she have? She's worried that um, oh, it's just... someone on the boat's going to recognise oh, her. Oh, that's it. So she's faking. But she does have seasickness, does she not? Because they are being... They're going to put a suppository up her bum. But they she are. also says, I don't want to come out of this room because that's someone true. will recognise me from yeah. her former life. And Mr. Rogo doesn't know what a suppository is, but she does because she's a sex worker. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be the inference of that scene. How I do... strongly agree. Yeah. Yeah. How do we feel about him... F- uh, getting together with her or falling in love with her and so arresting her six times. She seems to be understanding of the situation. Okay. I, when, when she was like, I'm an ex, I'm a sex worker, I was like, this is a love story for the ages because they are really connected and they are very much in love and they're a good couple. Kill the bitch. But that's the trouble. Yeah, I was like, you are so dead. Yep. Like, you're not good. And then I couldn't believe as she made it through all the mm. scenes. I was like, and then the, the cruelty of like the last act. But um, It's funny when they go, uh, You go, I think it's Reverend Scott goes, yeah, you, you can't climb in that dress. You're going to have to take it off keep the heels on though because that looks fucking hot I, I don't want to see your feet yeah. for obvious reasons keep your heels on because uh, that might off balance you later on <laughs> yeah. but they're a very interesting couple I think yeah uh, they feel kind of real and they're just very well performed I really like watching them uh, I also like watching um, Shelley Winters and Grandpa Joe yeah they're sure. good they're really good adorable couple mm. aren't they it feel they feel very well and again it's cast brilliantly I think you really buy into these performances although when she's 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 frequently says, "Oh, Manny, how long have we known each other?" And he goes, "Oh, I don't know, twenty years." And it's like, "But no, no, sixty years." Yes, Scott's, Scott's grandchildren. Because <laughs> it's even worse than that. Because she says, "How long has it been since one of us told the other I love you?" Yeah, and it's like, "Well, surely you should say that more often hey. than twenty years." <laughs> it's once every twenty years. That's, that's when I last felt love. It's <laughs> uh, twenty years ago. Um, Gene Hackman describing himself as. Angry, rebellious, a renegade, describing himself as that. Incredible. Those are things other people say of That's you. Well, no, never. If I, I, I mean, f- I feel like they misprinted the script. That was the character description, yeah. and it actually ended up in his renegade own dialogue. Bi- I'm a renegade bishop. No, no, no. Description. You're yeah. a renegade bishop. It, it was, it was Ernest Borgnine's line. And you just went, I'll have that. I do think it's a fun lesson. I mean, I don't think some. Of, I think some of the exposition is a bit shocking, but. Reverend Scott's exposition, he's like, here I am and I believe in you do action and you move things if you want things to get done. And the show don't tell on this man, this big, (laughs) later. He does what he says. He does. And so it begins with this sort of battle between him and the other, or discussion, argument, conversation between him and the other priest, where the other priest is all about blessed are the meek, essentially. And he's all about... um, God helps them who helps themselves. Yes. So it's interesting. I mean, there's quite a lot of religious connotations to this. I feel like maybe our sex worker is a bit of the Virgin Mary yeah. going on here. And although she comes to a grim end, but, um, I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to call the characters by their actor names. I don't normally I do think that. That's but it's very tricky. wise. Yeah. It's tricky this week, isn't 100%. it? hundred percent. Both Go for time. It. Okay. Uh, the song. We got the song the morning after. Oh, 
I don't, I don't agree with Acres here. Roddy McDowell. Oh, Jesus. I quite fancy it. I quite like that. Oh, it's all right, it's isn't it? fucking dreadful. <laughs> so, uh, Poseidon Adventure nominated. <laughs> nominated for eight Academy Awards. Yeah. Uh, only one won. Uh, this one. Um, I think there's an argument to, for this being the worst ever Oscar-winning song in history. It's awful. I cannot believe it even exists, let alone <laughs> it was put in a film and won an award. Who plays this at a New Year's Eve party? Can you imagine being at a party and someone goes... Stick on, there'll be no, there'll be no morning after it. You'd be like, I'm going home. I'd just going home. I'd rather be at home. Uh, so that I'd after- rather be watching the Jules Holland Hooter nanny. Oh, always than this. <laughs> and then you put on Jules Holland. There will be a morning. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> no, it'd have some boogie woogie over the top. He'd <laughs> be like, let me. They're like, no, Jules, we really don't want you to. <laughs> no, I must. <laughs> um, uh, after that rehearsal, we see Hackman doing his outdoor sermon. And for me, it much, sounds much more like a football manager than a, than a priest. <laughs> Fight for yourselves. God wants winners. Uh, you think, got this team. You can do it. My favourite Gene Hackman performance is in a film called Hoosiers. Uh, it was called Best Shot in England, where he plays a, um, a basketball coach in the 1950s. It's the same performance. I think someone saw this and was like, right, do that here. And um, he got another Oscar nomination for that one. Um, but now we're into it. Party in the promenade room. Quite like the way the camera keeps moving to make you feel like you're on the water. Oh, I hadn't it seen does, that. doesn't yeah, it? It tilts from side to that, side. That must have been really effective, I think, in, in a cinema. Yeah. I mean, it, it might have been annoying, but it doesn't happen too much. That yeah. Anyway, it also feels like another naked gun moment here where Leslie Nielsen has a table phone. Yeah, just and next the beep to the him. red light yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hello? I'll be right there. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's such a ridiculous prop. I'm sure they exactly existed, like on ships for the captain at the captain's table. But once you've seen police. Um, uh, the naked gun. You're just like, no, it's just what, a joke. Well, yeah. in that in that same scene when he's describing Poseidon, you're just waiting for the punchline <laughs> yeah. that never comes. I mean, how many films has the naked gun ruined just by <laughs> Leslie Nielsen's presence? <laughs> um, so we get New Year's Eve. We get Old Lang's Ein, and then an undersea earthquake near Crate triggers a tsunami. Mm. Uh, Leslie Nielsen tries to steer away from the hundred foot wave, but, but the ship slips so badly from the impact it flips. Not initially, though. They look at it and go. It must be mountainous. And they, then do nothing. They look at he the captain says, What is it? And his crew, a seaman, says, quote, I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> so you think anything though. So I'd be like, is it not made of water then? <laughs> because what is it? Could be. It, yeah, but it could, I mean, I, anything can happen. I don't know. Yeah, Should I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Just like, I don't know, is it a wave? Yeah. Oh, that's that's the thing. Yeah, it's a big wall of water. It's a wave. Happy New Year, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to find out what happens after this quick break. <laughs> On tenterhooks. <laughs> Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And we're back. And do you know what happens, Alex? The entire ballroom turns upside down. Oh, it's terrifying. It's absolute carnage. There were 28 stuntmen and women in this scene, 50 extras all doing falling, basically. Uh, an actor called Ernie uh, Orsatti, who's one of those sort of bit part players that's in both of the films this week, uh, was asked by Owen Allen to make the 32-foot fall that ends with him crashing into the ballroom skylight. 
you want me to do this full? I'm not a stuntman, he recalls telling <laughs> Erwin Allen. Um, but he agreed to do it. Hackman and Borgnine were due to be off on that day, uh, but turned up to watch with Hackman bringing a camera along. I asked Gene what he was doing there and he smiled and said, we've all come to watch you die. <laughs> <laughs> that's not very nice, is it? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think that's a recurring theme yeah. with Gene Hackman. Can um, I ask? So, Because both of these films trigger my anxiety. I have genuine anxiety about since having children I always think I, I don't think I actually could survive either of these things but you run the scenarios don't you like okay I would do this I could run I could hang on to this I could do whatever and then since having three children I was like we would all die because one part one parent can hold one child one parent can hold another and I always feel really vulnerable in situations where I think we've just got no chance like we can't pick up three children so these both of these films trigger that in me so I've run the scenario here it's like how is there a way of surviving so if you if you notice that the ship is tilting if you ran at the opposite wall could you slide I'm asking for real could you slide down because the people that die hold on and then it's too late and they let go and the the, the distance is too far right but if you noticed it going run to the firewall use it as a slide you mean like one of those things that they have at theme parks where you know in the fun house where yes, you keep yes, running that is what I mean like yeah. a giant hamster wheel would that work like a giant hamster wheel in theory okay yes great good to know yeah I'll put that away in my list and it's the as same, a backup yeah. as a backup Pick your least favourite child. <laughs> oh god, it's awful. Isn't it the same as if an elevator falls and you um, jump, jump. <laughs> just before it hits the deck? That does work, doesn't it? Absolutely yeah. fine. Well, not because you haven't you haven't fallen the whole way. Yeah, that that works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely 100%. fine. Hundred <laughs> percent. I like the fact that Gene Hackman. Basically, his off-screen persona sounds like what he brought to the table on screen as well. Like when Susan is up on the table and he basically goes, jump, come on, ju- you pussy, jump. <laughs> what, are you fucking scared? Jump down. And he doesn't, he doesn't pull any punches. Yeah, he's very certain of himself. He know- and he also knows absolutely everything about this ship for some reason. Yeah. Um, who I, I think it's the little boy, isn't it? Yes. It's Robin who knows he everything leans about into this. Robin, shit. but he's also like I think sometimes he uses Robin as backup. He's like, "We're going this way," isn't that right, Robin? And Robin's like, "Yeah, mm. definitely." But he just seems to know absolutely everything. Also, poor Susan. He's like, like you say, he's like, "Jump, you fucking moron!" Oh no, shit, we're going up. We're going up now. Sorry, you could have just stayed there <laughs> and come across. Well, as you say, the Christmas tree falls. They're climbing up the Christmas tree. He makes Susan get a dress off. The first of many, many scenes where women are ordered to get undressed. Yeah, I feel like we only need one scene all the women take off your dresses I have so many issues with this first of all he's he, helping them yeah but she, she has to be given permission to save her own life which is a line from the other film like she's there in a frock she doesn't need an old man to tell her to take a dress so i can figure that shit out for myself <laughs> i'm going to save my own life <laughs> also Belle Rosen, the older lady, who by her own description is monstrously fat, <laughs> she doesn't take her frock off, does she? Because Jean Hackman's like, just the pretty ones. Well, not yet. Yeah, not yet. She I takes it off later. Yeah. I didn't think it's of true, that. Though, yeah. He's like, no, 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 you keep yours on. But everyone seems to be taking... No, no, no. No, 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 no. You're fine. It's it's a different fab- fabric. Yeah, so- I nearly messaged you. When in a minute, she's like, what does she say? A fat woman like me can't climb. It's like... You're not even fat, for fuck's sake. I mean, sake, it's, but... it's nice that he doesn't go, do you know what, you're right. You, know you what, probably you're stay right. here. <laughs> stay it's here. Madness. I love the line. It's so of its time, but it's just, it, you, know, you wouldn't do that these days. Mm. Um, they don't strip the ladies down to their knickers. Uh, no. They considered and rejected that the women be reduced their underwear, but this, it was thought, might have a comedic effect destructive to the tension of the story. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> All the bits wobbling. They were going to honestly have everyone scrambling up in their pants. It would have been a very, very different film. It was a conversation. It still would have made money, in fairness. It was a conversation, and I can, I can hear it. <laughs> I can too. We, we would have had it, to be honest. <laughs> it's uh, awful. Do, do we strip Paul Newman and Steve McQueen down to their boxer shorts? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's going to be very hot at the ending. <laughs> That's so true. That's one of my changes for Thursday, by the way. Um, it's weird. We haven't mentioned the purser who's basically telling everyone to stay there. Yeah. Every Everyone who seems to work on the ship is an absolute fucking idiot. Yeah. Like the purser's like, definitely stay here. Yeah. Uh, the doctor later is like, we're going to the bow. Or the, we're going the other way. The, we're going the wrong way. The, 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 the crew on the bridge, uh, there's a giant wave. 
or ha- something. Happy New Year. <laughs> it's like, does anyone who works for this ship have any idea of what to do? Yeah. Just before the purser says that, we've got um, Belle Rose and Shelley Winters um, giving her husband the cross to give the grandson, the grandson and saying goodbye mm. and saying I love you for the first time in 20 years. Yeah. I find this quite emotional. It is, yeah. I, I don't know. How, I wasn't expecting the film to get me like this. I've never seen Grandpa Joe in anything but Willy Wonka's Chocolate no, Factory. So it's very difficult to watch him in this and go, yeah, but you faked being ill for 20 years and then you've <laughs> and got you, a golden ticket. And you were having an orgy whenever your son went out to school. <laughs> oh, don't say that. He did, didn't he? It's, I, the only gripe is they're like, we'll never see our grandson. We haven't seen him since he was born and he's two. And it's like, you sound to me like people in a rush. Hmm. So why are we on a cruise from New York to Athens? Just fly and see him. True. But maybe it's because it was a treat. Like, or it's cheaper. Was it cheaper? I don't know. I, I reckon that maybe a boat would have been cheaper than a oh, flight okay. back then. That I don't know. Sense. I'm just guessing. But yes, as Alex says, uh, the purser wants people to stay. Uh, it's good, isn't it? And because... Hackman wants to go. Yeah, because what would you do? I feel like I would probably stay and wait for help and therefore die. I would be... In- I mean, I'm not going to follow a man that says, in order to follow my plan, you've got to take that frock off. No, thank you. I will stay <laughs> well, here. you'd then. die then. You would die. <laughs> he's, but he, they want to make him such a good guy. Like, when everybody's like, I'm going to... He goes back down. He's like, you people must follow me. Why? Because I say so. Okay, we're not going to. The minute he's gone, oh, now you've all died. Mm. See, I did tell you. Well, the person says not to go. He goes, I order you not to go. And there's some great crowd murmuring at this yeah. point. Well, uh, Wait, the purser says we shouldn't do it. The purser, the purser, stay here. The <laughs> but it's purser. but it's good. It's a good character choice, isn't it? Because a preacher, their job is to turn doubters into disciples, and that's what this man has to do. Oh yeah, and he has this sort of resolute self belief. That I can see why people are getting convinced. I just feel like I would play by the rules and be like, no, he says stay and I'm, I'm going to wait. Yeah. I would be uh, Gene Hackman in this, telling people to take their dresses off. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to take it off. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> and again, he's with the other preacher, isn't he? Um, who, who says he's going to stay with the meek and protect them. That's his job. Yeah, I like that. Um I'm not political, that sort of thing. Like, what is the job of the preacher? And Mm. it is to protect the flock. And if the flock, those people don't want to go, then the other preacher's like, I have no choice. It's like, Mm. it's true, you do have no choice. You can't abandon them. And when he lectures Gene Hackman about, your sermon's all about the strong and you forget that not everyone feels like you. Not everyone feels strong. That's really very true. And I'm glad someone highlighted that. Let's run this scenario. Because obviously, you know, imagine the three of us are on that cruise that we've booked for later this year. And we're enjoying ourselves, but it capsizes. Are you going to, having seen this movie, still stay where you are? Are you really going to not take your frock off if I tell you to? <laughs> like, I mean, you need to think about I'm, these I'm, things. I would only move if a little boy was telling me where to go. Hmm. That's good. Because I'd be he's fine. to the engine room. Because I've run at the other wall and I've used it as a slide. <laughs> and so I'm all right. So I trust myself in that sure. situation. In, in a frock? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think I'd try and keep it on to the very last minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a strong swimmer. I trust myself with the swimming. Okay. I don't know if I'm as strong a swimmer as Shelley Winters. She can hold her breath for four minutes. Yeah. Well, I'm a strong smoker, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of out at that point. Yeah. And But there'd be no sharks inside the boat yet. Yet. But wait till the quiz. We could have... <laughs> Wait till my change. Indoor sharks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, failure to listen to Gene Hackman, payback for disagreeing with him is swift and unforgiving. Uh, Some explosions hit, water fills the room, and the Poseidon begins sinking. I wish that was a line in it. (laughs) Payback is swift and unforgiving. (laughs) That's excellent. They head to the boiler room, thanks to Robin's knowledge. Um... Now, for the next sort of 40 minutes, every situation they get in, uh, Hackman suggests doing something and Ernest Borgnine disagrees with him. <laughs> and they argue, but they do it anyway. And Borgnine's proved wrong. Every <laughs> 10 minutes. At one point, they actually make a bet. It's like the oddest moment to wager something. He goes, I wager you won't be back in 15 minutes. He goes, yeah. I'll take that bet. Yeah. And it's like, are you fucking kidding? Now you're doing your gambling. <laughs> um, so they keep arguing. Uh, Shelley Winters keeps saying how fat she is. <laughs> um, Acres was a pointless character. For he yeah, just dies. He yeah, does he, nothing. He falls and dies when the shaft explodes. The lift shaft explodes. Um, they leave the shaft. The group meets a large band of survivors led by the ship's doctor heading towards the bow. This reminded me of Shaun of the Dead. No, yeah. when yes. they meet their doppelgangers. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're on the other you're on the other side of it because we're doing the right thing and they're doing the wrong thing. Um, Hackman believes that lot are heading to their doom, but Borgnine wants to follow them. Obviously, <laughs> and so they have another row, and he gives Hackman 15 minutes to find the engine room um, 
And although he takes a bit longer than that, he does succeed and finds the engine room. Um, I didn't mention the singer's brother dies. Her reaction sort of it gets worse and worse. I guess she's in shock, but I think that might not be her brother. Miss I think <laughs> if what red buttons, whatever he's got, I think if he didn't think he was Bob on for a shag, when she's on that ladder, be like, I've, I've asked you nicely. Can you fucking move? I would have thrown her off that ladder. Do not stand there in my way, crying endlessly. Cry after. Cry after when we've all survived. You've got, you got a feel for Mr. Martin because ev- everything he says, like literally anything, he goes, oh, I think we go through that door. She goes, door, D, Danny, my brother. It's like, oh my God, like he's dead. And also I know it's the 70s and this kind of acting, you saw it a lot in those films. When they're going up that slope thing, it's like you said, everything they need to do, Gene Hackman's awesome at everyone else needs assistance. So he sees a, a slope and he's like, I'll just fucking march up that. Mm. Everyone else has to be winched up the same slope because he's <laughs> the strongest man alive or whatever. Yeah, because at the end, he's like, it's, it's the whole two inches thick there. Yeah, I'll just punch through it. I was just going to punch through <laughs> it. Punch through it. <laughs> but Nonny, she sees the water rising and she loses. She's like, ah! And it's like, it's water. <laughs> it's groceries falling through a door. She's like, Oh my ah! god, groceries, my brother. Yeah, and I know she says later she can't swim, but then it's like, oh, that, I do find that tricky because you didn't you hitch a lift on a boat? So. <laughs> um, you are allowed on boats if you can't swim. I you know, know you're allowed that. on them. <laughs> no, you can, can you swim? You on you go. You can you swim? On you go. Can you? Sit? You can't. Back again. You shouldn't be. I think that's absolutely fair. <laughs> they have lifeboats. What chance do you have in the middle of the Atlantic just because you can swim? Nothing. Haven't you seen Titanic? <laughs> Yeah, loads of them go in. <laughs> they all die. <laughs> like no one's going. It's fine. I'll I can swim. So I'll just I'll I'll, I'll, swim, I'll swim for, for New sure. York. <laughs> yeah. I, I probably could. Yeah, you could. Yeah. I, I punched a bear. Yeah. <laughs> um, a baby bear. So uh, the corridor to the engine room is now underwater. They've got to swim fifty-five feet. Uh, Shelley Winters is a swimming champ. She, she could hold her breath for two minutes back in the day. <laughs> She's still wearing a medal around her neck from when she was seventeen. She's like, look, guys, I was. A swimming champ it's oh, okay. my one thing it's she, my well, one she thing. also said she's trained to do things like this what swim upstairs and round corners <laughs> yeah I guess what were you doing uh, it's a weird claim but, but don't uh, take your frock off do it in your frock <laughs> but in real life one of Jack Cousteau's scuba guys taught Shelley Winters how to swim cool and um, she was also taught by Johnny Weissmuller you know the guy that plays the Olympic swimmer that played Tarzan, Tarzan. Yeah. oh right yeah so she had some pretty strong teachers great um, but Hackman insists on doing it himself. This is her moment. I know! But he's like, no. No, no you're all right. Uh, here her moment's taken and away from... And then he fucks from... it up! That's the he thing! He deserves to die in that moment! <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, blah, blah. Can you hold your breath for ages? Oh, no, I'm trapped under a door. So she does it. <laughs> yeah, she, she decides... Does. She gets she, her moment. Yeah, she gets her moment. She Off she yeah, goes. Idiot. She, <laughs> she finds him trapped under a sheet of metal, but she, in the movie, she frees him. Now, I'm going to pay you another clip. Uh, this is a um, Shelley Winters on um, Conan O'Brien where she says that was a very interesting scene see I like Gene Hackman but while we were shooting that picture every time I had an emotional scene he would come up and talk to me and I figured that was kind of <laughs> so when I came to that scene uh-huh. uh, uh, you know I thought he was trying to you know, break my concentration and I had to cry but probably he was just interested. But anyway, I got mad at him. So when I had to go through the uh, whatever I went through, and he's caught under the debris, and he's got a flashlight, I the the man from Chakustow said, "Don't worry about how long it's going to take. Just rub your nose it, and you're in trouble. I'll get you up to the hatch." So I took my time. I pushed some bodies out of the way, and I looked around for him. And then finally, I found him, and he looked at me like this. And I picked up the debris, and I'm supposed to push him out. And, you know, I'm a lifesaver, junior lifesaver. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to go. But he didn't wait for that. He just went out and went up the hatch and out. And when I got up there, he said, you, you were trying to drown me. <laughs> I couldn't deny it. <laughs> And she said he, he never spoke to me again. <laughs> She's awesome. So the trouble is, she gets her moment, but it kills her. Mm. So a bit of swimming killed her because she she's clutching her sides. She's not clutching her heart, I don't think. Because what has she died of? Swimming. I was like, have you been poisoned? <laughs> what, what is happening? Because she goes, Ugh, and then she begs to die. <laughs> Enough. Leave me. What's killing? What is happening? Are you, are you having several heart attacks? A stroke? What's killed her? Exhaustion? 
No, Gene Hackman stabbed Gene her in the ribs. <laughs> That's what it's bit like. Of, bit of metal he found. I was like, she's been poisoned. We've got another, this other, he said, another story engineer. He said she's the only woman I've ever worked with who could argue underwater. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wrote down heart attack. Yeah, it's got to be. But she has one. You know it is a heart attack, right? She, there's not a subplot that's been excised from the movie where <laughs> yeah. they're like, oh, I'm going to put Nonny's like, she reminds me too much of my brother. I'm going to poison her. <laughs> I just think, if you're having a heart attack, do you not say help me? You don't go, let me die! <laughs> Good face acting, though. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Mm. From our shells. And, and also, like, her, her penultimate words are, she's a skinny woman in the water. Oh, God. She's carrying so much shame. She, and put, she, on, she put on £35, Shelley Winters, to, to be in the movie. They were like, we need a huge woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it gives her it gives her a proper arc, doesn't it? I, guess, I mean, I don't... It's, it's weird watching how many times she references her own weight and Robin says she's a fat pig or whatever he yeah, does. Oh, like, yeah, and then, but then he says, sorry, because he knows it's he out does. of order. Yeah, yeah. What's, what is it? What's, Sorry, what, what, what's her arc? Her arc is she wants to see her grandson. She gets fat shamed and dies. <laughs> I don't know if that's... That doesn't feel like an, she, ar- an arc that I'm she like... She proves oh. that she's not fat underwater. Right, right. Okay. She literally or, says it. I, I hear you. I do hear that. But I think her arc might be when she's, if she sees the tree, she says, I can't. She sees the water, she says, I can. Mm. That's the arc. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, exactly. It's not about her going... My weight doesn't bother me anymore. No, that's a big part of it. Although, <laughs> although big. Although she sees the water and she can't. I would love it if when she was dying and she's like, let me die and take my dress off. <laughs> <laughs> Am I disgusting to you? But it is a surprise to see it's her. You sort of see someone swimming around down there and you see the behind with the yeah. with the underwear and then it, and it is Shelley Winter. Yeah. Oh, wow, this is proper. Uh, poor Grandpa Joe, though. I mean, very emotional. Yeah, I like sure. that. I think it's very. We know before he does, which is like, hard. Don't tell him, and mm. then you think he's not going to tell him that Mike's not going to tell him, and he does. He has to, but doesn't. It's it's really good. Mm. Very emotional. Um, as Alex said, the singer can't swim. Um, red buttons won't leave her behind. Takes her on his back. Borgnine's wife falls and dies. As as sex worker, oh, she was well, brilliant. She was amazing. She was brilliant. Oh, yeah. Linda, yeah. And of all of them, like we get to see her corpse in the middle of fire. Mm. And it's like it's not enough to just kill her. No we need to see her burn yeah. in metaphorical hell. <laughs> Linda, played yeah. by played by Stella Stevens. Um, yeah. You'd want to go out for a drink with Linda, She's wouldn't fantastic, you? Fantastic. Yeah. I'd have, I mean. I think Rogo would beat me up, but <laughs> frock off, heels on. <laughs> See you Let's at seven. Go. <laughs> uh, so uh, Borgnine and Hackman have another argument. You killed her! <laughs> um, and then Hackman gets his moment. He jumps and starts swinging on a wheel to turn it, and he's talking about, you want another life? Then take me! <laughs> You've got to see where Gene Hackman's shining! God! <laughs> it's ridiculous. And he orders them through, and he hangs there. He tells Ernest Borgnine to get them through! And then he drops into the fiery water i i haven't seen this since i was a kid i wasn't expecting gene hackman to die not at all wow that is ballsy yeah it's it's very good i mean it's so over the top and maybe if he lived you'd be like well i don't buy that then you can't be shouting at god in the middle of a film like this but they 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 go through with it and they kill him Mm. and it is good very good it's it's amazing because like the ballroom scene and this scene are the only two scenes i remember from watching it as a kid and i was uh, heroes heroes in the movies i watched about seven years old didn't die so I was convinced he was coming back especially because whereas Linda has to burn he just mm. disappears into the water so we don't have to look at his corpse yeah. he, he gets a dignified death yeah. uh, but I just I couldn't believe they killed him and I also didn't really understand it as a kid I'm like and even now, I'm like, could he not have swung? I didn't understand the geography of where he was, and he seemed to be hanging on all right. And then, you know, Rogo wasn't listening to him. And did he did he do it to activate Rogo to save them? Is that why he committed suicide? Because it doesn't feel like he has to definitely die in I that agree. moment. Yeah. Can he get? Can, where can he get from there? I don't know, but he, he doesn't even try. Stuff. You think he could just like mm. flip back across to the catwalk? But I don't mm. know. I know what you mean, though. I, mean, I guess they were trying to find a spot where he couldn't get out but I guess yeah. as we've used to be seeing him be hu- superhuman in this film and I believe I've read it as I thought he was going like, fly he's paying the price because the, all of a sudden Rogo's like you did this and it's like I don't I don't think Reverend Scott's a very sympathetic character but in fairness the ship did this the ship sort of because he is right he's right about everything isn't he like that is the way to escape if they mm. got there and it wasn't that's a different story so the ship killed Linda not the Reverend but I think we're supposed to go no it was you your hubris got us to this point and so you have to die to pay the mm. price to balance the scale or is he Jesus Christ and dying to save dying again. to save us yes oh, you're maybe. really banging that religious drum 
I like it. I feel like it's there. It I be. think it's bubbling along. Mm. Um, so they continue their journey. They start banging on some pipes and someone bangs back. Uh, they're freed by Blowtorch. Uh, they make it through. Uh, Ernest Borgnine looks back and cries. He was so close to it's making it with his love. so good, that bit where the spark's coming through and you know, initially they're all like, oh, we're rescued. And then it pans across each one of their faces and it, they realise what they've lost. Yeah, and the, the rescuing person goes, is that all? You'd be like, yeah. hang on a minute. Did you save we anyone else? Tried. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm to do to get here. <laughs> so, Borgnine, Grandpa Joe, the singer, Robin, Susan, and Red Buttons are chopper to safety. Mm. The end. So, in 1973, soon after this film came out, producer Owen Allen proposed a sequel that would have had the survivors testifying in a hearing in on the disaster in Austria, uh, the country of the Poseidon's parent company. While on a train to the hearing, a miles-long mountain tunnel would collapse, <laughs> leaving the survivors of the train trapped inside, struggling to make it out. Mm. That's a brilliant idea. It sounds better than the sequel that actually got made. No, but that did get made. Oh. You've probably seen it. What film is that? Is it Murder on the Orient Express? 1996 action movie, Alex. Under Siege. Daylight, Two. starring Sylvester oh, Stallone. Oh, damn yeah. it. Have you seen that one? A long yes, time ago. Yes, it's awful. Yeah. It's, it was where the, uh, the wave finally broke on the big Sylvester Stallone action <laughs> movies of that era. We should definitely do it on this yeah, show, though. Of course though. we should. Uh, so, yes, uh, Beyond the Poseidon Adventure, the actual sequel. Um, you read about that plot? Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly the same. Yeah, it picks up where the first film ends. Um, but you've got Michael Caine uh, is after the salvage rights of the ship. And um, Telly Savalas is after the plutonium that was on board. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's tickled me. And so, yeah, Poseidon Adventure, uh, the biggest hit of the year. Uh, what does he want to do with the plutonium? I think he's a terrorist. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So not exactly the same. <laughs> it has uh, the magnificent score of 0% on Rotten mm. Tomatoes. Does it really? Yeah, one of the biggest hits of all time, followed by one of the biggest flops of all time. Interesting. And it, and that sort of yes, almost put an end to the the the, the um the disaster movie. So, um and the last quote I had You've already said it was from Ronald Neem, the the maker the, the producer of Brief Encounter, Great Expectation Oliver Twist saying it's his favorite film. Mm. For all that money. So should we do the bits and pieces? Sure. Yeah. Vicky, what's your favourite scene? When the ballroom tips up. Is it a ballroom? What, I'm yeah. going to call it a ballroom. Yeah. When it tips upside down. I think it looks really good. And it was very scary when I was seven. And it was very scary when I was 41, which mm. was last week. Congratulations. No, so it wasn't my birthday last week. Oh. I was just was 41 last week. Like I'm 41 right. this week. Don't announce it like a birthday. Then. Sorry, it's not. My birthday was ages ago. Yeah, we know. Mm. Do you? We're... You forgot my birthday last year. Do you know that? Oh, what? <laughs> oh, did you? So did you. Oh, shit. <laughs> what did I do? That would, apparently we forgot her birthday last <laughs> year. Shit. I don't remember. All right. Well. I wasn't going to bring it up, but we're talking about birthdays. Well, no, you're talking about birthdays. <laughs> you literally have done this whole thing where you were like, I was 41 last week to make it sound like a birthday. So I but said yeah, birthday. My birthday really was ages ago. Remem- I'd forgotten about Vicky's it. But birthday. Yeah. When is it then? Why don't you just tell it's us? It's August when it is? the 21st. August the 21st. Great. Let me just write that in my notes. Um, <laughs> mine, uh, uh, honourable mention to uh, Gene Hackman. Um, dying. Yeah, I got that as an honourable mention. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's uh, panic in the ballroom. Mm. Um, when I asked Will Ferrell what his favourite Christmas movie was, he, without missing a beat, he said Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> Nothing says Christmas to me like watching Shelley Winters drown. And so, <laughs> 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 not the answer I was expecting. Uh, Shelley Winters underwater, though. It's interesting that you said those two scenes are all you remember. I remember those, but the other, the third is Shelley Winters swimming. And but I thought she drowned as well. I, I forget that she has a heart attack <laughs> afterwards. Heart attacks. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, poisoned. It's poisoned. Poisoned. Yeah. Uh, and my most valuable whatever is um, Shelley Winters. I think she's brilliant in this film. I think it's such a wonderful characterization. <laughs> and then the fact she put on the weight, the fact that she does the swimming herself, like it's an all round superstar performance. So uh, she's my MVW. Alex. Uh, mine is Gene Hackman, who is apparently just a lovely guy on and off camera. Yeah. Uh, but seriously, <laughs> when I watched it as a kid, before I sort of understood what a good performance was or what good acting was, I just remember being blown away by this guy. Like I was like, wow, what mm. a what a what a thing! <laughs> and it's amazing. He's such a powerful performer, isn't he? Yeah. So mm. I I think Gene Hackman, and also because he dies, and like that really has stuck with me since from seven till now, because I was forty three last week. Oh, happy birthday. No, no, no. <laughs> I know when your birthday is, what, but what? I always get it wrong by a day. When is it? It's, oh, it's March the 4th? Shit. It's March the fucking 3rd. Is it real? Are yes. you joking? No, it's always been March the 3rd. Oh my God, are you joking? No. You are joking. No, the 3rd of the 3rd. 
Oh, that's so easy to remember. Right. I, but I, but also, I always check. Also, you, yeah, you can always Google it with Alex. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... And He's I do in do the that. public eye. That's very handy. <laughs> I do, do. Google me my birthday coming up. Alex, very useful. <laughs> uh, my, I think Gene Hackman's too much in this movie. Ooh. I think shouting doesn't equal good acting. Not all the time. Mm. Uh, so it's Stella Stevens as Linda mm. because she's fantastic and very she deserves so. it. So there we go. Excellent. Three different ones. That's why it's an ensemble. Sure. Um, sure. And what would you change, Vicky? Oh, so when they are in the ballroom and everyone's like, it's the countdown to midnight, everyone, and you know there's a wave coming. Ten, nine, eight, and then we get to two, and then someone goes, what, for one, and the fucking wave hits them. Obviously. No? Oh, that doesn't happen in it. I can't remember no, you saying that is your change. That's the change. It doesn't it's happen. They get change. to zero and you think, oh, they're... I'm like, they're going to do it on zero. And I was like, the change would be do it on one because that's cooler. But they don't. They just count down to zero, even though you know there's a wave coming <laughs> and there's a countdown. They go, zero, me, old acquaintances. Oh, okay, cool. So wave hits sure. during the countdown. Sure. Alex? Uh, that's a great change. Uh, mine is that for all the purses, bravado and everything... I want to see that clown die. I'm like, it's, they've missed a trick here. Like this guy who basically kills all those passengers. I need, when the seawater starts piling into that room, him to realise his mistake. And then for all his, like, I'm saving everyone, to really scramble, push people aside to try and get yeah. on that Christmas tree, only to have himself be crushed by the tree when it collapses. There you go. There's your vengeance. Goes, Damn you, idiot. Scott! <laughs> well, mine's similar, but different. Okay. Um, Linarcos right. has to get a dramatic comeuppance. Mm. It's this is his fault. He's yeah. the villain of the piece. But is he doesn't even have a speaking line, does he? Like it's a bit like oh no, we've, sure, got, but... we've got a Greek person here. They did it. It's <laughs> him. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, but give him a couple of lines. Give him that villain. I mean, it's his fault. So I think he should burn alive. Or oh something yeah, no, like he does because he says I'm. I'm yeah. going to break. Yeah, this. I'm the, ordering the bal- you. He yes. says it's an order. Yes, yeah, the ballast conversation. So yeah, I think that needs to be in there. But also, I feel like um, Monty Python style, the finger of God should appear and knock Gene Hackman off that wheel to his. <laughs> fiery death after all he said don't you think yeah. Yeah. Terry Gilliam should, yeah. should just I animate I was that. trying to help you <laughs> bastard boink <laughs> that's excellent and we're done alright then a quiz do you want a quiz sure yep I've got one. Okay. Um, so, disaster movies. Sci-fi channel make disaster movies. Yes, they do. I think you're a fan of some of them, aren't you? I, I do enjoy. What was that lava one that you like? <laughs> two lava, two anchula. Okay. Ah, I love that. <laughs> so, Every time I'm in, if I'm ever in a mood, just remind me of that because it's just a shot of joy. <laughs> so, I've been through the list of names of sci-fi disaster movies. Okay. I've also made some up. Oh, lovely. So, I'm going to say it. You both shout at the same time. Um, uh, whether it is uh, true or false. Okay. Arachnoquake. True. true. That is true. An earthquake triggers a brood of giant fire-breathing spiders to attack the city of New Orleans. It's no lava, Angela. <laughs> oh, wait for this one. Tarantula La Land. False. False. That is false. I made that up. That's not a real one. Can you believe it? Is it not? We could. Make, it means it's out there. It means it's available. Tarantula La Land. It's a musical. Does the male does the male tarantula uh, mansplain webbing to a female tarantula? That's, Excellent. Let me tell you how you build a web. That's very I, I'm funny. also a tarantula. No, no, no. I'll just tell you. Save it for the La La Land episode. That's very funny. Um, avalanche sharks. True. False. That is true. Avalanche Sharks tells the story of a bikini contest that turns into a horrifying affair when it's hit by a shark avalanche. It doesn't explain <laughs> what a shark avalanche is. It's an obsessed. That's amazing. <laughs> That's yeah, brilliant. these are all the official IDB um, uh, synopses. Um, <laughs> Jersey Shore Shark Attack. False. True. One to Vicky. It's true. <sighs> a cast of characters strikingly similar to the cast of Jersey Shore try to survive an epidemic of sharks attacking Miami Beach. Cool. <laughs> Jersey Shore's in New York. Oh, yeah. Why did it say Miami? I don't understand this one. I mean, if you're already making that movie, you don't go, yeah, but we don't find that many sharks off Jersey Shore, so, uh, so we'll have to set it in Miami. No one cares. <laughs> uh, attack of the Flaying Mantis. <laughs> False. False. That is false. I'm upset. I thought I'd done a good one there. <laughs> um, Lake Placid versus Anaconda. True. 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 Fucking hell. You guys are good at this. A giant crocodile goes head to head with a giant anaconda. Perfect. <laughs> That's the synopsis. Of course. Uh, Shark versus Whale Wolf. Mm, True. True. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, Miami lice. False. <laughs> false. It's good, but false. <laughs> I really want it to be true. Is it true? It's false. Oh, <laughs> obviously I made it up. That's such a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, screw tarantula land. That's what we're making. Miami lice. Two lice would go against the grain. <laughs> I love it. Uh, flu birds. <laughs> it's too close to home. Uh, but then again, who knows? Ah, uh, false. I'm going to say true. It is true. Oh! The tagline is, if they fly, you die. <laughs> uh, two left. Independence Day, disaster. False. False. It's true. Shut this up. film exists. When Earth is... Uh, listen to the synopsis for Independence Day, disaster. <laughs> when Earth is attacked by a hostile alien force, a small town firefighter and a rogue SETI agent team up to activate the only technology capable of defeating the invaders. Yep. Yep. Seen it. <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to my lawyers. <laughs> uh, final one, uh, Poseidon Rex. Uh, true. Yeah, definitely true. I think I've actually seen it. Yep. Deep Sea Divers Accidentally Awaken an Ancient Evil. Uh, well played, Alex. You won that by one point. Oh, oh. It was close, though. It, it was, was close. Come on. What, you drawn a fist bump, mate? Yeah, You're I not going to... I'm just trying to make the aftermath of these quizzes that I win. He just... doesn't go in for a fist bump when he loses. No, of course I don't. But that's up to you. The winner should then ask the loser to Another fist bump. unilaterally... I'm doing this like Christopher Walken. <laughs> Do you want to fist bump Yes. Me? There right. we go. That was fun, wasn't well it? Well played. Yeah, I like this. See, we can have a fun quiz sometimes. Well played. Uh, before I end... End my bit, though. Mm. Can I do a little plug? Yeah, of course you can. So, friend of the show, Philip Gawthorne, has launched a podcast called Die Hard on a Blank, which explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. So, let me quickly tell you about this Go. podcast. In each episode, host Philip Gawthorne and Liam Billingham take a deep dive into a different action movie that contains some kind of Die Hard DNA, be it through the premise, the personnel, or otherwise. They're doing it in chronological order of release, allowing the host to track the evolution of action cinema and Die Hard's impact upon it. Um, they've done a couple of episodes, but we're going to guest on that podcast. They're going to guest on here. We're going to do some kind of crossover down the line. But their most recent episode, they've done Roadhouse. Yay! We love a bit of Roadhouse. <laughs> God, I love that film. So the podcast is called Die Hard on a Blank. It's by friend of the show, Philip Gawthorne. And here's the trailer. Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorne, action movie screenwriter. And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster. And together we host Die Hard on a Blank a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard. Now, some of these movies take place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a roadhouse. Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere. Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre. So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard... Ooh, very nice. ...then Die Hard on a Blank is for you. Yes, you personally. Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece Die Hard, drop December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line. Now we have a podcast. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Lovely. Uh, so we'll do that once uh, February Fanny is over. But let's talk about our next pairing in Fanuary. Chris, Vicky, I don't know which one of you has the clue. <laughs> I've got a clue. Great. Right, it's really hard. So this, because normally my clues are shit, aren't they? Yeah. So this is really hard. It's also a little bit meta. It makes a lot of sense if you listen to last week's episode, specifically last week's excellent quiz put together by my colleague Chris Tilly, which was a music quiz, mm. which was all about, I was trying to figure out what songs things were and it involved us trying to think of the next line of things and all the rest of it. So this is the clue. Are you ready? <laughs> Aha! Now let me welcome everybody to the wild, wild west. I am so lost. It's okay, because you get it. You get it, don't you? Yeah. Yeah? <clears throat> I'll tell you after. It works. All right, cool. Okay. One more time. Now let me welcome everybody to the wild, wild west. <sighs> okay. You've got a lot of work to do on Twitter. I'm just uh, saying that, no, Chris. I've got an idea for the pub that'll help. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. Great, then. That is your clue for next week's Fanuary pairing. Before then, though, of course, we're back on Thursday talking the Towering Inferno and revealing the winner of this week's Clash. Until then, have a great week. Bye-bye. 
Clash of the Titles is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.